Have you heard of the foot in the door technique? Do you know what it means? Have you ever used it in real life business setting? Well, if your answer is no to any of the questions above, you will definitely enjoy today's episode. Even if you answered yes to all the questions, well, stick around because you will find one of the shocking ways to engage with prospects in today's conversation. My guest today used to be a door-to-door salesman, and he's knocked on over 1,000 doors. So today he shares some of the profound tips that he has used to improve his business, and you can definitely use it to improve your sales as well. In this conversation, we we talk about the foot-in-the-door technique and how he used it in the literal sense of the phrase. We also talk about the psychology of rejection and how to deal with that when you're prospecting or you're in sales. And we talk about the need for a community when you're building something or selling something that you care about. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. So let's roll the music. Welcome to the Art of Appointment Setting podcast, where we ask today's most successful experts and entrepreneurs to share the most powerful lead generation and appointment setting tactics they use to build their business and grow their revenues. Now your host from the city that never sleeps, New York, is Kwesi Sachi Jinnai. Hey everyone, it's Kwesi Sachi Jinnai and my guest today is Travis Chappelle. Travis is a direct sales expert, a successful entrepreneur, and a real estate investor. He's a creator and host of Build Your Network, a podcast dedicated to helping professionals cultivate genuine relationships, grow their inner circle, and leverage a powerful network in the right way. If you believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that purposeful and persistent networking is important to accomplishing the goals that you have in any area of life, whether it's sales, it's business, then you definitely love Travis. He's a super connector and he shares some incredible ideas in our conversation today. So without any further ado, let's get Travis on. Awesome. So Travis, thanks so much for joining the conversation today. Yeah, of course, brother. Happy to be here. Yeah, like I mentioned to you uh, before we we hit record, uh, I'm really excited about this conversation because I heard about your journey on the Smart Business Revolution podcast. And as someone in sales and helping a lot of businesses to get more leads and, and sales, I thought it would be great to have a chat with you and learn more about the lessons that you got from door-to-door sales. And um, that's, a, that's a selfish reason I know, but I also feel that a lot of uh, a lot of the leaders in our community can benefit from your experience in direct sales. So I want us to delve, in, uh, to delve into that in a moment. But before we do that, so you have physically knocked on at least 5,000 doors as a salesperson in the past. And I'm curious to know how you got started and what was the most shocking thing you found uh, when you started? Yeah, good question, man. So uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. I know that uh, you can't take it lightly who you who you bring onto your show for your audience. So I appreciate you having me on. Um, <clears throat> the, the way I got started in door-to-door sales was probably the way anybody does. I saw money and I ran to it. Um, basically, I've always kind of chased to the next dollar, so to speak. And at the time, I was 
I had like a landscaping business going and then a buddy of mine started in door-to-door sales, started making some decent checks and it caught my attention. And uh, so I basically said, hey, can you get me a job working where you are? And he said, yeah, for sure. I'll hook it up. So um, I started working there and um, um, started slinging solar back in the day before it was even a really big thing. Now it's like everybody and their mom has a solar company or sells solar or knows somebody or does something, you know, it's like the new real estate agent is the, the new solar rep. But <laughs> um, back then it wasn't as, as, as prominent. And I started with them and uh, then switched over to alarms about two years later. And then after a couple of years of alarms did water purification and then just finished with that actually a couple months ago. So. Fascinating. And so when you started, when you kind of just, you know, landed into it, what was the most shocking thing you found in the first couple of months? Most shocking thing. Um, most shocking thing. Probably, probably the fact that people weren't willing to do what I was doing. Um, I felt like I was making some pretty decent money. You know, I, as a nineteen-year-old pulling, in, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was probably making like fifteen hundred bucks a week or so. Um, but I was in, I was in college full time. So I was in school full time. I would work like 20 hours a week and I was making, you know, 1500 bucks a week or so. So, I mean, for me at the time I was like, wow, this is fantastic money. How come, how come nobody else wants to do this as much as I want to do this? And I would talk to people, I would talk to people who made less money than me. And then they would be like, Oh, door to door. Cool. Cool. What are you going to do next? As if it wasn't like a viable career path. And in my head, I was just like, I work like half the amount of hours that you do and make more money. What do you mean? What am I going to do next? <laughs> you know, so uh, that was, that was probably the most shocking thing to me. And what do you think, or at least in your conversation with people, what do you feel is a reason why a lot of people do not think of it as a possibility for a long-term career or engagement? I think because most people can't do it. Like a lot of people try door-to-door sales, just like a lot of people try network marketing and try starting a business. But the statistics are just against everybody. Um, like 90% of people who start in door-to-door sales quit in the first you know, six to eight weeks. Um, statistics about the same for network marketing. Um, statistics about the same for any small business that starts up, except for it's a little bit, um, a little bit longer period of time that it takes for them to fail, but they still fail. And, uh, so I think that the statistics are overwhelming and because it's not guaranteed income, people can't stand having that. So they just have to go find something that's guaranteed, even though it might be less money and more work, it's guaranteed. So they'd rather do that. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and I, w- I want us to stay on this topic for for a bit because I've done a bit of you know door to door sales and cold calling myself. And one of the things I love about door to door sales is the instant feedback. So you engage all the prospects, you get a sale, but if you don't, the door slams in your face. And I feel it's part of a reason that a lot of people wouldn't want to get into it. And I bring this up as well because I want to hear from you if. You had to pick, you know, the single most important lesson because you said the, stat- the statistics are against, you know, everyone as far as, you know, success or failure is concerned, but you were very successful with that. So if you had to pick one of the most important lessons during your days, what would it be and why? Uh, good question, man. Probably the most important lesson that I learned from door-to-door sales is 
uh, learning how to read people. Um, there, look, you can, you can go to school for business. You can learn sales in a sales class or a seminar. Um, but the most effective way to do it is to go knock on a crap ton of doors and get a ton of no's and then interact with people and see how you can improve on that the next day. Um, it's just so in the, in the dirt, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you hear a lot of people doing sales trainings or giving sales advice here and there. And the last time they sold anything was 10 years ago. And um, even back then, they didn't do super well at it. They just like to read a lot of sales books. So what they so they, they'd make money training people on other people's sales material that they've actually never used. And it's just like confusing to me, right? So um, I, I think that the probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from my time doing door to door was uh, just the ability to read people, to be able to look at a situation and and think in my head, okay, they're not digging this right now. How can I pivot? What can I say next to make them more intrigued and to actually want to buy the product that I'm selling? So uh, it's 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 a skill that will that will be that'll be taken all throughout life, no matter what I do. Um, just like sales itself. Um, but this one I think is a little bit more across all industries and across all areas of life. You got to know how to, how to read people. Mm. And, and I'm glad you, you, you brought a topic of, you know, getting a lot of no's because I feel rejection is a big part of, uh, as a, as a salesperson, it's a big part of what you do. You have to get it on a consistent basis, whether you're using phone calls, emails, or door to door, um, for you, how important was it? And you can easily tie this in into reading people. How important was rejection for you? And what were some of the tactics or techniques that you, you personally built to handle that? Yeah. I mean, handling rejection is everything to me, man. I, if you want to have a successful business or a successful sales career, you have to be okay with rejection. Now, I'm not one of those people that's going to run around telling you, learn to love the no, like learn to love losing. Cause I just don't, I just don't personally think that that's real. You know, like you, like you can pick up a copy of Tim Ferriss's book, Tribe of Mentors right now. And in the back of that book, there's an entire section of rejection letters and emails that Tim Ferriss got from people that he reached out to, to be a part of Tribe of Mentors. And it's a, I mean, Tribe of Mentors has billionaires, A-list celebrities, um, uh, world-class athletes contributing to Tribe of, like to contributing to that book. And Tim Ferriss still got no's from people that he highly respected and really wanted uh, to be a part of that book project. And they said no. And uh, Tim Ferriss will even tell you like, yeah, it did not feel good. Like it didn't hurt. Like, it didn't, it didn't, like I didn't like that. Right. So I think that, I think that saying that, you know, rejection is, um, you know, you, you should look forward to the nose and, and want the nose. I just think that's a bunch of hocus pocus and it doesn't actually work. But what needs to happen is the nose need to not affect you as much as they affect most people. Um, so the way that I explain it is, is, um, is your 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 ability to your ability to handle rejection is directly related to your self confidence, in my opinion. So, um, uh, rejection hurting you is only a symptom of something that's a bigger problem, and that bigger problem is your self confidence. You don't have you lack self confidence, and uh, so the 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 biggest thing to to combat that fear of rejection is to continue to grow your self-confidence. And what happens is when people tell you no, it chips away at your self-confidence. When someone tells you no, it chips away at your self-confidence. When someone tells you yes, it boosts your self-confidence. So the idea is that every single no that you get 
is only going to chip away a little tiny piece of it, right? So for a lot of people, it takes away a huge chunk. So think of it like a bank account, right? So you deposit into your self-confidence bank account by learning things, by, by, by gaining knowledge, by being mentored from people, by practicing, by role-playing, by learning closes, by um, pre- preparing for the situation that might have rejection involved with it. Like Those are the ways that you can deposit into your self-confidence bank. And then, of course, you deposit into that self-confidence bank whenever you get a yes. So when you get a no, it, t- it takes away. It's a withdrawal from that self-confidence bank account. What you want to do is make sure that your confidence bank account does not ever get overdrawn, that there's not ever a negative balance in there because that's when you quit. When you get down to the point where you're negative in self-confidence, you get, you know, let's say you have, uh, just for sake of illustration, 10 confidence points, whatever you want to attribute them to. You know, you prepared a lot, you practiced a lot, um, you got a lot of uh, great value from other people, and you got one or two yeses, and you got 10 confidence points in your bank account. If you get two rejections and you're at, you know, six confidence points withdrawn for each rejection, now you're, now you're negative too. You're overdrawn on that account and you're going to quit. But if you can get to the point where you're mitigating how much that no takes away from that confidence account, and now you're like, hey, I got two no's, but it's only a half a point each. So now instead of being at negative two, I'm at nine because I got two rejections. They're only a half a point each. And so 10, I used to have 10 points. Now I'm at nine points. I'm still positive in that account. Now I work my butt off, work my butt off. You can get 18 more no's in a row before you're down at zero, right? Does that make sense? I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. This is actually really interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a great analogy. So, so then, I mean, the logical question would be, how do you, because with like, with getting no's, you have zero control over, but you can always work on increasing your self-confidence and, you know, you know, as you mentioned, depositing into that account. So what are some of the daily practices or techniques that you do to, to boost that account? Yeah. The number one way, the number one way. So make sure you pay attention to this. If you're listening, the number one way to increase your self-confidence is to keep the promises that you make to yourself. People who have high levels of self-confidence have an impeccable relationship with themselves. Um, so if, if let's say you, you say you're going to get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, let's say you're just going to do a three-day challenge. I'm just going to get up at 6 a.m. for the next three days so I can practice getting up early. And then six o'clock the next morning comes around, you hit the snooze button, you just withdrew from your self-confidence bank account instead of adding to your self-confidence bank account. The number one way to grow it is to keep those promises that you make to yourself. Because if you can't even trust you, then you subconsciously will expect other people to distrust you. Even if you don't consciously think like, hey, I, I didn't keep this promise I made to myself. So now I think less of myself. Like You don't have to think that for you subconsciously to believe it. And the subconscious mind is even more powerful than the conscious mind. So if you go into something and you say like, hey, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by such and such date, then do it. If you say, I'm going to run a, a, a half marathon this weekend, then do it. Like Finish it. Find ways to deposit into your self-confidence bank account. And that's what's going to take you um, in like past those rejections to get to the next yes. Wow. This is, this is so good. This is so good. I love it. I want us to take it to the next level. And I know that one of the techniques that you talked about so well is the foot in the door technique when you're doing door-to-door sales. And I want you to talk, speak to it a little bit more. Like how important is this in sales 
And with a combination of the mindsets, the self-confidence you have, what are different different scenarios that you did use it to find uh, the most success? Yeah. So the true foot in the door technique is um, a psychological bias, really, that says that if you if somebody agrees to do something small for you now, that they're more likely to do something bigger for you later. So uh, small examples of these would be entering a house that you're about to do a sales pitch for and asking for a glass of water, asking for something small that you know you're going to be able to get from them um, because psychologically they're more willing to do more things for you and bigger things for you later on. So the idea would be that they're subconsciously less guarded when you ask for the sale in an hour after you've gone through your presentation or whatever it is. In door-to-door, we used to call something the foot in the door technique because we would actually put our foot in the door. Like this was not a... (laughs) Yeah, like this is not a... This is not a... uh, um, a figure of speech when we're in door-to-door sales. So what we would do is um, is when we would knock the door, uh, when, when, we're, when we're selling alarms, like the main idea is to get inside the house because the, the pitch can't really be made from the porch. Now, obviously it can be, but your chances of closing are way higher if you get inside of the house and that person actually trusts you. Um, and so when you go from outside on the doorstep to inside the house, you go from a random dude that knocked on their door to the trusted advisor that knows what to give them and what equipment goes where and all that kind of good stuff. So again, just hacking away at the subconscious mind and and um, allowing that person to trust you more. And, and keep in mind that the techniques that I share, like none of them are meant to be used in like a ill sort of way. Um, the products that as long as you believe in the product, I think that's a fundamental um, part of this whole thing is believing enough in the product or the service that you sell, that all of the things that I'm telling you to do are just ways for you to make it easier for that person to make a decision that allows them to take part of your product or service that would be a good deal and useful for them. So um, don't, 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 you know, take anything that I'm saying and be like, oh, you're using high pressure sales tactics and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. If the deal's good, it doesn't matter. If the customer's happy, it doesn't matter, right? So um, all of these other things are just ways to allow you to increase that percentage of actually getting them to buy from you. Um, but yeah, so we we would knock the door <clears throat> and then um, I, I would basically bend down, get on my knees and I would show them on the interior of the door where the door sensors would go. So when I was selling alarms, it would just be like a, you know, 10, 15 second door pitch. And then, um, if you're not in the house within a minute, then you're probably not going to get into the house and you're probably going to have to move on to the next door. So we would try to just get into the house. So at the door, like towards the end of the pitch, you'd just be like, Hey, um, <clears throat> what we're going to do to protect this front door, because, you know, 80% of break-ins happen through the front door. So I'm put two little sensors, two little magnets together. I bend down on my knees because I'm about six foot one. At the time, I was actually really heavy. I was like 230, 240 pounds. And I was a bigger, I'm just a bigger guy, right? So now, you know, I've spent a lot more time on my health. I'm down to about 200 pounds now. But back then, um, I was just knocking doors and not really caring. So I, I was a bigger dude. So I would bend down on my knees and point out where the door sensors would go on the in, on the inside of the door, uh, on the bottom of the door, even though they would go on the top of the door. So I would bend down and get down there just because it's way less threatening. So when I was down on the floor... I would ask them if they had two quick seconds for me to come in and explain where the rest of the equipment would go. And then I'd ask them if I, if they wanted me to take my shoes off. So when I said, do you want me to take my shoes off? It takes their mind off of the idea of letting a stranger into their house and puts it onto, does someone normally take their shoes off when they come into my house? Regardless of how they answer that question, I'm still coming in. Right. So 
Hey, do you have two quick seconds for me to show you where the rest of the equipment goes and how it works? Do you want me to take my shoes off? Uh, yeah, sure. Take your shoes off. Okay. I take my shoes off and I take a step inside my go, my foot goes in the door. Right. Um, if, um, if, and if they say, uh, no, don't worry about it. Keep your shoes on then. Okay, great. And I'm still a foot inside the door. Right. So, um, that was literally the foot in the door technique for us back then, um, was to actually get inside of the house and use a question that, um, they can't say no to, um, they would actually have to physically stop me and be like, no, 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 you can't come inside and avoid the question altogether. And people subconsciously want to answer the question that you asked them. So do you have uh, anyone try to physically stop you? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, people, uh, some people would just be like, no, no, no. I'd like, I did not invite you inside my house. And then you got to just keep trying to talk to him on the porch and find another way, another angle to get inside the house. Eventually. Um, I've, I only ever sold a few alarms from the porch. It can be done. It's just way easier if you're inside the house. So that's what our, our initial goal always was. Mm. So reflecting on like those days right now and sales in general, I'm sure right now you train a lot of people on how to do sales. What are some of the practical ways that, you know, people can use this if they're talking to people on the phone or if they're sending emails or even if they get into networking events and trying to convince people to take action? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Can you can you clarify a little bit what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, like, how can you how can people take the concept of foot in the door technique and apply it to different conditions or different scenarios in sales? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it really depends a lot on the product that you're selling, the sales cycle, how long it takes to get a lead, to close the lead, to actually fund the deal and money goes in your bank account. A lot of it is a um, is very dependent on all of those things. So it's it's difficult to say. What I would do is just sit down look at your sales cycle, look at your pitch and try to figure out a couple different ways that you can insert that foot in the door technique um, at the beginning of your pitch. So asking for, like I said, asking for something like a glass of water, asking for, um, uh, you know, an extra chair or asking them to turn the TV down or off or something like that. Like asking for a small favor that gets them into the mindset of doing you a favor, which means that they're more likely to do a bigger favor for you later in the future, which is around the time that you're going to be asking for the sale. So, but you're, it would be difficult to give a, a direct example of that. You would just have to really figure it out for yourself, depending on the, the, the sales cycle and the product and everything that you sell. Gotcha. I love, I love this technique. All right. So Travis, I know you started a community and mastermind group as well. Can you tell us more about it and how can people get involved? Yeah, man. So, um, been, been running a mastermind now for almost a year, which is crazy. Um, started last December and, uh, it's been going really well. I've, I've, the people that have been in there have been uh, really, really awesome to get to know them. They have some really good, successful businesses. Um, and uh, so now the last one came to an end about two weeks ago, which I was really sad about, but I, I heard really that excited. in your podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's I, I, it's something, something that, that was kind of sentimental, you know, like, oh man, we're, we're done with it. But it makes me super excited to announce the beginning of my new and improved mastermind build your network dynasty. Mm. Um, so this one is going to be a little bit different because the other ones were a little bit pricier. Um, and I kept them limited to a certain number of people and to a certain time period. This one is going to be a continuity program, meaning that it's going to continue going until we're done. 
um, however long that is. And the, 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 the barrier to entry is a lot smaller. So, um, just about anybody can be a part of it. And, um, and then, uh, you know, it's people with all different types of businesses, people up to a quarter million and even more than that a year. Um, some people that are, you know, below 50,000, some people that are in between, there's a lot of different various, um, um, uh, people in that group, people who are just salespeople, people who are running sales teams, people who own their own business, um, lots of different types of people in there. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a very, uh, very good group of people. And um, the, the, like I said, the barrier to entry is super low at the moment. And uh, basically, we have two group calls every single month. One of them is going to be a community call that's kind of a group coaching. It'll just be hopping on. Everybody talks for a little bit, ask some questions on how they can continue to build their networks and uh, continue to to add money to their bottom line. And then also we'll have a, an, a, a Q&A uh, question and answer, a live question and answer with somebody that's been on my show. So a top level influencer um, that has been on the show in the past will hop into the group once a month and uh, do a live Q&A. So this is the opportunity that people have to connect with high level individuals on a more individual basis than they would at you know an event with a thousand people or maybe a mastermind that has 500 people in it and they'll never remember that person. This is a way for you to actually be off of mute on Zoom asking a question directly to some of the top influencers in the business. Um, so those are a couple of other things. And then for people that buy the yearly membership, you actually get discounts to the live workshops that I'll be putting on next year, um, which will definitely be worth it in in, in, in the long run. So um, that's Build Your Network Dynasty. If you want to apply to be a part of that, everybody that mm-hmm. comes into that group has to apply for it. Um, that's buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty. So buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty um, to go apply to be a part of that group. Um, and I would love to have as many people as we can get in there. But the first 10 people, and we're already at six currently, so we only have four spots of the initial pricing left. Um, so if you want to get take advantage of the initial pricing, which is a little bit cheaper, um, then uh, I would take action immediately so that uh, you can get in on that uh, that uh, discount pricing. Great. I'll put that in the show notes as well so people can access that. Awesome, Travis. Thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Let me know how I can help. Thank you for listening to the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast with Kwesi Sachi Jinai. Find out more about how to get high-value appointments at Catalyze.io. And while you're there, check out the free resources for appointment setting. And be listening for the next episode of the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast.